are talking with Morgan Harper Nichols. If by any chance for some reason you don't recognize the name Morgan Harper Nichols and you think, I don't know who she is, the thing is you do know of her work. And if you Google her really quickly, you have probably seen it in Target, in Starbucks, in Anthropology, in Barnes & Noble, in TJ Maxx. You have probably definitely seen one of her beautiful pieces of art on social media. And if by some chance you haven't, today you're going to be so grateful you get to hear from her. Morgan's been on the podcast before. I would tell you that she is an incredible artist. She's an incredible leader and she is running on mission in a way that is so true to herself. This episode is going to be life-giving for any woman who feels like they need a little bit of peace, but it is also incredibly life-giving for any woman who feels like her God-given mission is a little bit different. We're also going to talk about self-care, but we're not even going to use that word, but just trust me, your soul is going to take a deep breath and you're going to be grateful you heard from her. Enjoy this episode. Let's go. Hello, friends. I'm physically excited. I'm jazzed. I am so pumped about today's episode. We have Morgan Harper Nichols on. She's been on the podcast before. And Morgan, thank you for joining us. Oh, wow. Thank you so much for having me again. It's an it's an honor to be back. I am just the world's biggest Morgan fan. I'm so <laughs> thankful for your work. You're just a true artist in so many senses of the word. But I cannot imagine there's anyone listening to this podcast who is not familiar with your work. But will you like describe in your own words what you do? And specifically, you know, because we talk a lot about calling and mission on here, but what would you say is your calling, your mission? Yes. You know, I'm very grateful to say that I feel like my mission has been the same since I was a little kid. <laughs> and that has just been to connect with people in a meaningful way. And whatever, and I think it started from a place of watching my parents who were pastors. And I would see my parents kind of present more, especially my mom, like more extrovertedly. Is that the word? Yeah, <laughs> extrovertedly. Yeah. And I would see others as well. And then I would compare myself to that and say, well, I like the way that I see other people connecting and, and extending love to others and opening their homes. But I just don't feel like I can do that. And I have memories of being a kid, like trying to like sing a solo in church and I'm like crying <laughs> before I have to sing. Like it just, it just felt so hard. And I was like, why does this feel so hard? And ultimately through, through many years of my life, I kind of got to my last resort and I was just like, I'm sick of trying stuff. I'm sick of trying to find my, <laughs> my way of like, doing what I feel like God has called me to do. Like it, it felt like I felt called to be creative, but I just didn't know how. So I ended up finding poetry and artwork as kind of like a last resort. I had tried a whole bunch of stuff, <laughs> lived in a lot of different cities, tried a lot of different things. And one night in Dallas, Texas, I ended up writing a poem about just feeling like a failure. And I shared that poem on Pinterest. And then those following months, it ended up getting repinned and shared over 100,000 times. 
And that was, <laughs> that was kind of like the catalyst to what I do today. It was, it was just such a huge wake up call of like, oh, wait a second. You know, those questions that you ask about like not knowing what your calling is and not feeling like you know what you're doing. Well, as it turns out, a whole bunch of other people <laughs> feel that exact same way. <laughs> so yeah. from that moment forward, I was like, yeah, I'm just going to, I'm going to write about the unknown. I'm going to write about the questions. I'm going to write about all the things that I don't have answers to. And just let other people know that, hey, you're not alone. You're not alone for feeling anxious about life's uncertainties. You're not the only person who has, you know, the mountain moments. And then you're just like, oh, now it's time to swoop all the way down to the valley. It's like, you're not the only person that feels that way. So yeah, a lot of what I do stems from that, just finding different ways creatively and, and artistically to connect with others in a meaningful way. So yeah. I love it. It's so good. And I feel like what comes across in all of your work, in every different version of it, you know, whether it's a product I would find at Anthropology or an Instagram graphic or a book of yours, I feel like what comes across is you genuinely seem so very true to yourself. And I think that is what, for me, like resonates so strong that people are like, if she's saying this honest thing, you know, that frees me up. This is kind of like a, I don't know, a left field question, but do you have certain practices that keep you feeling true to you? Or like, how do you get back when you feel lost from that? Or do you ever feel lost from that? Oh, yes. Yeah. So I am somebody who very naturally, I'm a pretty low energy person. I don't have just tons of energy. I don't just, I don't just wake up ready to go. Like that's just not really my vibe. Um, <laughs> never has been. I'm just kind of like, let's just kind of ease into things. And, and while that in many ways is a strength at the same time in our fast paced world, that can feel like a weakness. I'm often left feeling like I can't keep up with everybody else. And on top of that, I'm also autistic. And there, in, and there's within my autism diagnosis, I also have a sensory processing disorder. So I have things in life that slow me down and, and take me longer to do things. Even something as simple as sending a text message, like it just takes me forever to do like the most simple things. And what I, because of that, it's not an option. I have to continue to seek out ways to be filled up <laughs> because yeah, I can't wow. empty. So I go empty so fast, <laughs> literally yeah. right before our conversation, my husband, who's also my business partner, walked up to me with this idea and he's an extrovert. It was a very extrovert <laughs> idea. And I was just like, that sounds wonderful. But I'm just going to let you know. I'm like hovering above E right now. <laughs> like nothing against your idea, but I'm like, I, I just can't. I'm so sorry. And be so because of that, I spend a lot of time listening to podcasts, listening to audio books, listening to, I've even like recorded myself reading some of like my favorite quotes and verses back to myself. And I'll just listen to them in the morning. Like even if I'm, I'm just playing it kind of passively, like while my son is just playing and doing his own thing and I'm just sitting there, I, I have to constantly remind myself of what's true. I'm like, 
I'm like, I'm the candle lady. I'm always lighting candles. I'm like, ooh, this coffee. I'm so excited to try it. Like, <laughs> I have to just spend a lot of time. And and for a very long time, I I felt shame around the fact of like not being a high energy person or not being somebody who could just, you know, go on the internet and share their whole life and they're just cool and and it doesn't, you know, they're just like, yeah, I'm fearless. I'm able to, I'm like, oh, am I, you know, am I less than because I'm not able to share like other people do? Am I, you know, not like, you know, this other mom who was so eloquently described the first year of her child's life. <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm still trying to find the words for it and just yeah. really judging myself. So, so yeah, I think the, the biggest shift for me, especially over these past couple of years, is just like, you know what, I'm just going to unapologetically lean into all those little things that I know I need to be able to make it through each day and from there to be able to thrive how I was meant to. So lots of little practices I've just been stacking up and <laughs> leaning into every day. I just could not love this more. And it's so interesting. I think that for sure, we all kind of know that there's this glorification of stuffing down the self in culture. Like there's this glorification of if you turn off like your desire for rest and peace and sleep and food, you'll somehow tap into, I don't know, some like higher self. I just cannot even slightly make agreements with that because it's the laws of the kingdom and it's against the laws of nature. I think about, this is such a weird analogy, but I think about how, you know, how when you like as an adult, you like relearn to breathe that when you're a child or you're a teenager and you breathe and you think that when you breathe in, like your stomach should suck in. And then I've had like this moment, which I think a lot of women did where I realized like, oh, actually when I breathe in, like my belly should feel, fill with air. You know, I should, I should actually take up more space. And so I think there's just so much power in saying like, actually, I'm a person who needs a lot. I'm a person who needs input. I'm a person who needs care. I'm a person who needs space. And I think one thing that's so beautiful is that you obviously, I would imagine it's hard at times because it's hard for all of us, but you seem to be a woman who can access your gifting easily. Like you can use it, or at least even if it's not easily, like you can access it, you know, the worth of what you bring to the world, but to also know what you need from the world, I just think is so impactful and beautiful yeah, and life-changing. Oh, well, thank you for saying that. Cause that's something I, I feel like I have just been practicing and working on and, and trying to, to just cultivate more in my life because yeah, that pressure is so real to just be a certain version of yourself out in the world. And whether that's just like in your physical community, people you see every day, or if it's online and, you know, depending on what culture you're in or what subculture you're in, it varies person to person, but no matter where you are, there is somebody <laughs> or some kind of avatar of a person that's like, oh, they're the ideal. You know, it's like, if you can be like that, then you're going to be good socially. You're probably going to be good financially. <laughs> you know, if you can just be like that person. And we all have those in our culture. And, and sometimes it varies by region or, you know, what age, whatever it is. So I'm just like, you know what? I don't have the answers for all that, but I do know that I, 
can continue to try to cultivate practices that show not to myself, but maybe as an example of others is like, hey, there's there's more room for diversity here. <laughs> like mm-hmm. there's room for, for different ways to share. Like one of the things that I've been so proud of, like one of my proudest moments is when I have a young person who has encountered my work. And I've been told this several times and they say, your work inspires me because you showed me that I don't always have to share my face or share my whole story to be able to share something with the world. You showed me that there's other options. And that just means a lot because we all share so differently. Like some people feel more comfortable sharing, you know, from a first person perspective. Some people are are novelists. Some people are are researchers. They don't even share at all. They're just, you know, they're in the background. And it's like, yeah, there should be more room for all of us to be able to kind of exhale and breathe, you know, as we were made to be. So, yeah. Hey friends, I want to answer right now the most asked question that we get at Go and Tell Cows and the most asked question I get on my personal Instagram and in my email. This question is, hey, Jess, or hey, Team Go and Tell Cows, I want to start a podcast, or I want to teach the Bible, or I want to write a book, or I want to start a business. Variation of this question would be, I already have a podcast, or I have started a small business, or I've been teaching a little bit here and there, or I've already started writing a book. And the next question is, how do I grow it? How do I start it? How do I grow it? How do I keep it going? How do I do it in a healthy way? Essentially, how do you do what you're doing? The great news is this is our favorite question to answer because if you're not paying close attention, which who can pay close attention to anything these days, but if you're not playing, paying close attention, you might not know that we are obsessed with helping other women do what we do. I personally believe we need many more women starting podcasts. I personally believe we need many more women writing books. I believe we need many, many more women teaching the Bible and teaching a variety of topics. And I think in the name of Jesus, we need more women owned businesses. I think now is the time and I want to spend my life equipping and encouraging women to do just that. So after a few years of coaching, we developed a process that we believe now is one of the most incredible processes to help you get started or to help you get unstuck in your God-given calling, whichever one it is. We end up coaching a lot of women who have many of these endeavors, who might have a podcast and also might teach and also might want to write a book. But the process that we've created and find to help you is called Go Teams. And in Go Teams, what we do, you will genuinely not believe it. We Disbelief is the number one reaction we get from women once they get into Go Teams. But what we do in Go Teams is I coach you for six weeks. We bring in industry experts who will literally answer every single question you have. I'm going to say it again. They will literally answer every single question you have. And on top of that, we connect you with a community of women, a team who also feels called to the same thing that you do so that you can help each other, so that you can encourage one another, so that you can promote each other's work and that you can run on mission together. Go teams, 
only launches one time a year. We do it every spring and we are not doing it again this year. I need you to go to the link in our profile on Instagram or go to our website and get on the wait list. If you go to goandtellgals.com slash go teams, you can get on the wait list right there so that when we launch go teams this year, not only do you know first, so you can grab a spot, but we're also going to give you a hundred dollars off the price. If you're on the wait list, it is your time to go. We believe in you. We want to be on your team. We want to equip you and encourage you so you can get started, get unstuck and keep going in the name of Jesus. All right, let's get back to Morgan. I've told you I'm so excited about Peace as a Practice, your new book that comes out in February. And I've been like scouring Amazon and reading, <laughs> reading <laughs> all about it so far. And so I just want to say you've had a book come out. You had a book, an incredible book come out in 2020, an incredible book come out in 2021. I have both of them on my bookshelf. But something about this seems different. And can you like speak to that? How does Peace as a Practice feel different from your past two works? And how are you different from like this season of writing? Yeah, so different than my other books. This book has way more of these moments. And you may be able to relate to this of like, did I really put that in that book? Okay, yeah, I did. Wow. Yep. I put that in there. That That's out yeah. there. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. So a lot of moments like that, because I, I, in this book, I get way more personal than I've ever mm. gotten. I'm talking like, just because I'm like, I had to get to the root of this is where this is coming from. This is why I talk about this so much because of what I've been through, because of what I've encountered. So, I mean, I spell it out. I, I spell out for the very first time, spelled out something that happened to me as a kid with a childhood mm. bully and just mm. how that ended up impacting me in pretty significant ways. I mean, even as I say it right now, I kind of tense up because it's still, I mean, that was a pretty pivotal moment for me. And I'm like, you know what? That's that's a part of how I'm able to talk about inhaling and exhaling today and being present to the moment and pacing yourself through through healing, pacing yourself through opening up to other people. So yeah, I was like, I have to put it here. I absolutely have to. And also too, and, and just what ended up coming from that is it's more personal and it's also more practical. I feel like poetic is kind of like my, my zone. <laughs> I'm always like looking for the poetry and everything. And in this book, I was like, okay, there's a poetry. Now let's kind of expand and see what's the practical side of that poetry as well. So the chapters have actual practices at the end of each chapter. I think I spent the longest time on that section of the book because I was like, I don't want to, I don't, I've really intentionally made this. I'm like, this needs to be low energy person friendly. I'm like this or, or, mm. or busy person. Like, look, I don't have time to, you know, add, add like another huge thing. And I was like, I want to make this something that you read it and you say, Oh, I could do that. I could do that right now. And I'm really curious yes. about it. So that's one of the biggest things that is different about this book. And and I really hope that people can literally walk away with um, ways that they can practice peace. 
Yeah, I just want to echo that I just downloaded the first chapter from your website a few days ago, and that is what it feels like. And so even as we're talking about even as we're talking about this idea of like being gentler with ourselves and taking what we need, you and I, we are women who love books. We like, we write books. So I'm like, I love a book. And sometimes a book is too much for me. Mm -hmm. Sometimes a book is even like, if I were to actually absorb it and shift it and like take it all in, it's still sometimes like, if that's what it feels like, it feels like too much. And so this bite size, like you are giving so much of yourself and you are giving so much practical, but it also feels so like tangible and consumable and like uh, something you can actually genuinely practice, which I guess that is the point (laughs) (laughs) to be able to like actually practice the piece, to be able to experience it. I'm so, so, so grateful. Thank you. Okay. I have to ask this, like how, (laughs) how in the world did you practice peace during the pandemic and, and like, how has it been? And maybe this is maybe more of a specific question. I feel like since the pandemic, it has become really commonplace and even like acceptable and encouraged to speak defeat where peace is concerned. Like we're never going to get it. Like every meme that's like just another messed up year, you know, or like every like little meme actually last week on the podcast, I shared that like one thing I'm having to leave behind in 2022 is sarcasm about the year to come because I can't, I just can't, I can't laugh at one more meme that speaks defeat over my life and anybody else's. But in a world that really kind of praises defeat and expects fear and anxiety. How do you practice peace and how do you encourage other people to practice peace, like specifically in culture right now? I yeah, totally agree with what you just said there. And, you know, I, I'm going to give a very literal answer. And I feel like my answer, it, it really does. I feel like it can kind of split a group right down the middle in terms of like people are like, yeah, but people are like, no. But it it was staying creative. It was making art. It was buying construction paper and kid scissors. And I made like a whole mosaic out of construction paper that took me all Saturday. And and my my two-year-old was looking at me like, can I be a part of it? And I'm like, maybe, but maybe not. This is kind of my thing right now. (laughs) And I was... (laughs) I was really proud of it. I'm looking at it right now. (laughs) And it was doing that because I needed to, just to be honest, like I need to keep moving my hands. I needed to stay busy. And what I loved about what I ended up discovering, it was like through that sort of, even though I kind of went into it often from an anxious place of like, I just need to move my hands. I just need to do something. I just need to do something. I need to go somewhere, but I can't go somewhere. I ended up finding, wait a second, these are these practices that have been here in your life all along. Remember when you were five years old and you used to do this? Remember when you were a little seven-year-old with undiagnosed autism who had no idea what was ahead of her and how much stress and anxiety and everything that she was going to go through? Yeah, this right here, these color pencils, like they're here for a reason. Use them. And it became 
a spiritual practice for me. Like <laughs> the more elementary the tool, the more of a spiritual practice it was. <laughs> the more it was like wow. a crayon, it was like like even just the actual like and, and I encourage I encourage anyone to do that. Like it's it's very fascinating. Like when's the last time you took a crayon and you tried to color an entire page? It's an experience. I mean, mm. it's, it's yeah. not very precise to like color with a little stick of wax, you know, that's, <laughs> that has, you know, all the stuff removed from it. So it's safe for children to play with. Like, it's not exactly the most smooth process. It takes some serious effort to stay with it. And I've just learned so much through that because also during the pandemic, even when things were opening up and there was room to socially distance and go do things. I write more about this in the book too. I had a massive fibroid and this might be too TMI for some people, but I actually ended up bleeding for several months. Like there's no pretty way of saying that. And I couldn't even walk around my neighborhood without feeling like I had to go back home and go to the bathroom. So it was like, even when it was room to finally go walk around and do stuff, like I still felt like, really? Like, really? This is where I am? Like, after all this time, and now I can finally walk around my neighborhood, I can finally go somewhere, and I still can't even go. So I had to get really, really serious about that and really, really serious about play, if you will. <laughs> and honestly, I'm grateful that that's one of the, the strongest images that I I have right now. I actually saw earlier today, I actually saw someone post, they posted my camera roll lately. It was like an Instagram reel and they had shown like everything in their life over the past few months. And I just looked at that and I was like, wow, that's so fascinating. I was like, I remember a time in my life where I would have looked at that and I would have thought, oh, wow, I sure haven't done all those things like in that period of time. But I was like, now I look at that and I see, oh, if I were to make a video like that, it would be a whole bunch of paper and cut up pictures. I'm literally on my desk right now. I made a little face mask of a cat out of construction paper. And I was really proud of it. <laughs> and I did make that for my yes. son. He wasn't that impressed, but I was like, whatever. This cat's actually pretty impressive. I'm into it. So it's sitting, it's it. sitting on my desk. And when I go through my camera roll, I see a lot of stuff like that. Less than the person who you know, travel to 12 different canyons or, or rivers or whatever. Come on. Like, that's no less. Yeah. I'm like, I'm so grateful that I'm at a point in my life where I see that as just as beautiful and just as valid because that was not always the case. So, yeah, yeah. I, I feel like it's just the season has just really taught me, as, as cliche as it may sound, it's just to really be grateful for those little things and to just keep going deeper into them because they're not so little after all. Yeah, so good. That's so beautiful. Well, we are so incredibly grateful for you. We're incredibly grateful for your words, for your poetry, for your long form words. Friends, I literally cannot suggest enough that you go ahead and pre-order Peace as a Practice because it is the book that we need right now. I can guarantee you I will be reading it on February 15th when mine comes in the mail and I would love for you to be reading it with me. Morgan, are there any ways we can just be praying for you for these next few weeks and the weeks after the book comes out? Mm, Well, thank you so much. And yeah, I I would say just more rest 
I'm really in a place of as excited as I am to like do all the book things and you know do all the things. I'm like, you know mm-hmm. what? I, I want really want to live out what this book is about. And a lot of it is just like, slow mm-hmm. down. You don't have to do all the things. Like do some of the things and then take a nap. So yeah, that's where I'm at right now. Just praying for, for more more room for rest. You got it. We will be praying that God brings it and that you take it. And we're just really grateful for this work, for your words and for your leadership. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you too. Hey gals, Jess here. So listen, I'm going to tag on a little mini coaching session to the end of this podcast, because I have to tell you that this interview with Morgan really made me think. And it was one of those incredible um, moments that you have with someone else that it really just makes you think for days on end. And you're just kind of paying attention to what you're thinking and the questions you're asking yourself. And so I want to tell y'all, if you haven't listened to the podcast at all, you may not know this. If you have, you may have caught on that my superpower and my kryptonite is questions. I ask a lot of questions. I ask a lot of seemingly silly questions sometimes like, why do we do this? Or who is this for? And I'll ask it over and over and over again until I'm blue in the face. But the reason why is I'm just a why girl. Why really matters to me. And so I want to just share with you some of the questions that I started asking myself after this interview with Morgan. I started thinking about how she really is such a good example for me of someone who knows what she needs. And as an author, I'll just tell you, even like, you know, inside behind the scenes, as an author, I was thinking about myself going into book launches and how for years I've launched a handful of books, at least one book every year between 2016 and 2021. This will be my first year not launching a book. And even still, we launched a Bible study. But going into book launches, I kind of have this thing in my soul that says like, okay, well, I'm going to have to push and sort of like put my needs aside for this certain amount of time, and then I'll be better. And pretty much what happens every time is that I get through a book launch and I crash a little bit. And I even now come to expect it. And I kind of think of this as a normal rhythm. But because of my interview with Morgan, because of a few things I've been thinking about, I've just been wondering, kind of challenging that status quo. Not everybody's going to relate to like the book launch scenario, but let me say this, like when it comes to the holidays, or a big deadline that you have at work, or when it comes to like a kid's birthday party, if that's something you've been working on and planning for, or an event at your church or in your ministry. Do you maybe like me have this assumption that like, well, I'm going to give away my piece. I'm going to give away what I need for a season, and then I'm going to put it back together. That deeper question for me are surrounding like particular seasons or events. Then I started to really ask about it on a day-to-day basis. And I started wondering, is this honestly the like kind of obsession and rhythm with self-care has come in for so many of us? Is it that we give away what we need and you can call it your peace, your margin, your health, your boundaries? Do we sort of give away what we need to function well on a daily basis to the point where we have to somehow put it back in 
in maybe a more exaggerated way than we would have if we had just taken what we need every single day. And this may not be true for you, but it's a question I'm asking myself. So saying it more specifically, let me ask this. What if our frantic search for self-care is because we give up the ground we were never meant to? What if we didn't have to vacillate between leading and outpouring and then sheltering and putting ourselves back together? What if we guarded our hearts appropriately as God's word tells us to and didn't give away too much of our energy and kept the routines and the rhythms that protect our soul and keep us feeling sacred and near to God? What if we got rest consistently? What if we had an established rule of life that worked for us? If you're not familiar with the phrase rule of life, I cannot suggest enough just kind of digging into it and doing a little research. What if we identified boundaries and we kept them? Boundaries that were good for us. What if we had rhythms that were so well established and that worked for us and we lived into them in freedom and in hope and in truth, and we didn't ever feel like we had to vacillate and swing back into rest, but we just lived into it in a rhythmic way. I think Morgan's interview really sparked this deeper question in me, something that I've probably been thinking about for the last few years, because she really seems to be living it, because she's a woman who could come on a podcast and say, I am not a high-energy person. This is what I need. And it was so, so, so beautiful to me. I hope you took that from her interview too. I want you to know we're going to kind of keep talking about this on the podcast over the next few weeks. And we're really going to kind of delve into this idea of boundaries and Jesus's boundaries and what boundaries we see in scripture and when we can use boundaries to keep our soul healthy and when we maybe use them to keep ourselves from health or keep ourselves from other people or keep other people from us. And so we're going to kind of dive into that. I can't wait to keep talking about it. We're going to talk in this coming month about technology and how to have the boundaries with technology and what that looks like and how we can kind of turn this tide of a culture that is obsessed with being connected all the time and do it in a realistic way for women who many of us have to be online or know that God's called us here. I can't wait to keep talking, and I think that God's going to absolutely show us some beautiful stuff in our lives as we move. If you have not checked out the Rhythms of Worship and Work e-course that we created at Go and Tell Gals, I can't suggest it enough. This is not an ad. This is just me telling you friend to friend. If you're like, hey, I need some rhythms in my life. I've never thought about my boundaries. I've never thought about what's good for my spirit. I don't really have any idea of what will work for me. I can't suggest it enough. It's really easy to do, and it gives teaching on all of these areas, how to establish rhythms in your relationships, how to establish boundaries, how to figure out how you like to spend time with God. And I absolutely believe it'll help some of us get back to this more base level idea of what is healthy for our souls. I love you. I bless you. I'm praying for you next week. We are diving into boundaries and I cannot wait. God is mighty in you. You can, you will go and tell the good news for the good of others and the glory of God. 